Children, here are your questions for this morning. First, who taught Timothy the truth about God when he was young? Two, how do your parents help you to understand the Bible and the truth about Jesus? Three, have you placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior and committed your life to following him as your Lord? Second Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, this is the word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. There ends a reading of God's word. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. We thank you for the word that you have given us. And Lord, we trust that we have received your word for what it is, the word of you, our God. And so as we read your word, we trust that we would allow it uh, to penetrate our hearts intentionally and to receive from you that which we need to learn and know so that we might live more fully for you. Lord, as we've just read this passage, we pray that you administer to us simply through the reading of your word. But now through the preaching of your word, we pray for much the same, through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, through the frail vessel that you've ordained to preach your word, we pray that it would still be your word that goes forth and touches our hearts. And we pray this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Well, Paul had a happy recollection of his friend Timothy, his young friend Timothy. He would be filled with joy because he saw Timothy as his son, spiritual son. And so when he thought about Timothy knowing the Lord and walking with the Lord, he would resonate with the Apostle John's statement, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And so he was rejoicing in Timothy's salvation, but he was also rejoicing in something in particular. He was rejoicing in the fact that Timothy was raised in the faith and embraced the faith, but he did so in the context of a covenant household, of a Christian household. Now, first, it's always good to mark that it's good to rejoice with other people. When we see one another, especially those who are in the Lord, we should rejoice at their salvation, not only our salvation. We readily do that, I hope. I hope if you're saved by the blood of Jesus, that you're regularly rejoicing in what God has done for you. But when you look at other people in the Lord, you rejoice over the fact that they have been saved by the same grace through Christ as you are. And then here, secondly, this idea that Paul could look at Timothy and see that he was raised in a covenant household is also something to rejoice over. 
Some of us who weren't necessarily raised in a covenant household and were saved and grafted into the covenant out of the world look at people who were raised in the faith and there is a little bit of envy, even though they're still rejoicing, a little bit of envy. Understanding God's sovereignty that it wasn't that way for us um, and he intervened with his grace at some point in our lives. We look at covenant people who were raised in the faith and embraced the faith and we rejoice in the blessing that y'all received. And so that's an important thing. Everything that Paul says here focuses on the truth. Focuses on the truth. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Timothy had to know the truth. He had to know the truth about himself, and he had to know the truth about God, and his mother and grandmother provided that for him. And so one thing we want to focus on this morning is the fact that, that Paul highlights, highlights Timothy's roots here. Paul certainly had a big impact on Timothy as his mentor. Other people obviously influenced Timothy in his life to become the man that he had become in Christ, but it goes back to the household that he grew up in. These devout matriarchs, these two women in his life, never underestimate the power of godly women. We've all heard of bittersweet instances where perhaps a dad is unbelieving in the family or aloof or absent or he's even a problem or maybe abusive. And, and it's a godly mother who becomes the solid rock of faith in the household. And sometimes if both parents reject the faith or aren't capable of raising their children in the Lord, sometimes it is a godly grandmother who takes over. I'm sure if I ask for a show of hands, how many of you have a godly grandmother who prayed for you and instructed you in the ways of the Lord? Timothy experienced some of that. The only thing we know about Timothy's father is that he was Greek and that he wasn't a believer. So he simply wasn't equipped to train Timothy in the way that he should go in the Lord Jesus. He might have been a good dad. He might have been a terrible dad. He might have been there. He might have been absent. We simply don't know. What we do know is that his mother and grandmother were faithful. Were faithful. Now, Timothy did find a spiritual father in the Apostle Paul. So the Lord provided for him that component of his life. But it was his grandmother, Lois, and his mom, Eunice, who instructed him in the ways of the Lord, in faith and in truth. Those two lived in that, that amazing time, and I'm assuming that they were godly Jewish women who knew the scriptures, who are waiting for the Messiah. They lived in that amazing time when Messiah actually came, and they embraced him as their savior. When we talk about the faith here, when Paul uses that, the faith, there's only one faith. There's only one faith, and that's faith in the covenant God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who designed to send his Messiah in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the faith that's being spoken of here. That Jesus came and fulfilled all the promises of the long-awaited Messiah. And so these two women were well-equipped to teach young Timothy the ways of the Lord. They took their responsibility seriously. 
Simple passage, Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, even when old he will not depart from it. But jump back in your Bibles to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and, and many of you probably are very familiar with this passage. It's a very important thing for us all to remember. It's in the context of the Shema, Israel. Listen, Israel. Tune your ears to the covenant God, who is your God. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord the God of your fathers has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Great responsibility for covenant parents here not to be neglected. And you see how the word pervades the whole household. They took this responsibility and they interwove God's ways into their household. They took time to disciple their son and grandson. It takes effort. And they were preparing him to go out into a world of great challenges. But the thing is that Timothy does, wasn't just a, a nominal believer. He had true indwelling faith. True indwelling faith. First of all, he embraced the Savior as his Savior. He had to know the basic essentials of salvation, the basic essentials of the gospel. He had to know that he was a sinner. And he had to know that he needed Jesus Christ as a Savior. And he had to know that that wasn't just about winning a ticket to heaven, but it had to do with his entire life being under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Paul was assured that Timothy's faith, faith was, was genuine. Not based on presumption that he was raised in a Christian home, not based on the fact that he had a godly grandma and a godly mother, but evidence of his faith. It was in Timothy, and he lived it. Living for the Lord. And now, now he's gotten to the point in his maturity and his calling where he is responsible to oversee this whole network of churches in Ephesus, a formidable task in so many different ways with pressure from without and pressure from within. And we'll see that as we progress through the letter. 
We'll learn more about that. We'll learn more on how Timothy is to build not only on his faith, but to build the church. But for the rest of our time this morning, I want to reflect on Timothy's heritage. That's a huge topic when it comes to raising children in the faith. And so I'm going to try to, to streamline it somewhat. Many of you were blessed to be raised in a covenant household. Never take that for granted. Never think that that was the way that it was just going to go. Never underestimate the grace that is involved in being raised in the faith of Jesus Christ. I have heard too many people who had the wonderful privilege and blessing of being raised in the covenant saying, I don't really have a testimony where I want to say, you don't know how powerful a testimony that you have, that from maybe generation after generation, the truth of salvation was passed down to you. And by the grace of God, you embrace that as your own. I know, I get it. Sometimes young people, however you define yourself, have a hard time being raised in a Christian household. It can seem so restrictive. It can seem so burdensome sometimes, I suppose. But never take for granted the blessing that you have, being raised in the truth, being prayed for, being plugged into a, a true church. Again, something that many of us envy. You would think that being a father of seven, I was an expert at child rearing, far from the truth. You would think that being a pastor, I would be especially gifted at discipling my children in the faith, and I would say not so much either. And like many parents, I look back on my history as a parent, and I see far more failures than successes. I have far more regrets than I have pats on the back for myself. You feel like the mistakes you made outweigh the blessings that you tried to bestow on your children. But with all the mistakes and all the regrets, I can say that I did this right. I taught them about Jesus. Taught them about Jesus. That's what we did in our household. And I am so thankful for the way that each one of them turned out. But they needed to know that they were sinners and that they needed a savior. I never wanted them to just assume that all was right between them and God because they were raised by Christian parents who taught them the truth. They needed to know they were sinners and needed a savior. We didn't do everything right. We agree on that. But we're very thankful that we could pass on the legacy of Jesus in our family. And some of you might be saying, I did everything right. And still my children rebelled and they've rejected Christ and they've rejected the church and they're living for the world. They're living under the curse of God because they haven't repented of their sins. Well, let me say three things about that. First of all, you didn't. 
do it all right. You just didn't. Secondly, you need to continue to pray that what you did do right in teaching them about the Lord would have bearing on their lives now and that, that the truth of the faith would follow them, hounding them until they see the emptiness that comes with rejecting the covenant and living in the world. But third, you have to remember that while you have a tremendous responsibility to raise your children in the Lord, you cannot save them. Salvation is by the grace of God through faith, through Jesus Christ. So our responsibility is to pass on the faith. It's up to the parental figure to do that, whatever parental figure God provides for the family. Covenant children are in a unique place. It is wrong to see covenant children as little heathens. They're specially blessed by God, put in covenant families for a reason. But they're also not automatically Christians in the saved sense. They need grace. They need the work of Christ applied to their lives. They're sinners who need Jesus. If you've never told your child that they are sinners in need of a savior, you have done a terrible disservice to them. Terrible disservice to their souls. There is a sinful foolishness that you hear every now and then, even from the mouths of some so-called Christian parents who say, I'm going to let my child figure it out for themselves. I say it's sinfully foolish because it's contrary to everything that God teaches us. You know, raising our children in the faith is not brainwashing. It's teaching them the truth and trusting that the word is powerful and active. And that God still works salvation in souls at all different ages. Sinful foolishness to neglect that. See, there's a vacuum, isn't there? Because if you don't teach them the truth, there are plenty of things coming at them that will mimic the truth. That maybe looks a little more appealing. That maybe doesn't tell your children that they have to take up their crosses and follow Jesus. And so what we want to look for is, is real evidence of faith in their lives. That they fully embraced it for themselves. Paul could have confidence when he looked at Timothy, not only by his profession, but by the way he lived his life. There was evidence of a true and living faith. Well, I want to offer just some simple things to encourage us in doing that. First of all, teach them the word of God. Show them the gospel. That may be super simple, but it is so essential. 
teach them to pray. Prayer is the posture of dependence upon God. And if our children don't see how dependent, how utterly dependent they are on, are on for God for just life itself, let alone salvation, and they don't know how to come to God with their concerns and their needs on their hearts, we've done them a disservice. We need to teach them the word and teach them to pray. And again, teach them that they need Jesus. Just heard a friend of mine who's a pastor preach a sermon, and I love stealing things from friends. But he was in Disney World, and there was a man walking around who had a shirt emblazoned on the front. It said, you need Jesus. And I thought to myself, and he said this in his sermon, he said, it should say, I need Jesus. That, that would probably spark more conversations than you need Jesus. But here's my suggestion. When you're in your household with your kids that you have emblazoned on the front, I need Jesus. And on the back, you need Jesus. Follow me. Be that example. And that's the next one is be the example. Be the example of genuine, sincere, heartfelt faith. That's going to be reflected in your household. So that everyone in a covenant household needs to understand that Jesus Christ is Lord of the home. And we live our lives as if he were here all the time. And we do that because he is. We do that because he is. Teach by example. And, and none of us are perfect. We need to admit our own shortcomings, our own sinfulness. I am convinced, and I've said this before, that, that kids have a built-in hypocrisy radar. And it becomes much more precise as they get older. And we may get away with things when our children are younger, but there comes a point when they, they see things. And if we're trying to pretend that we are something that we're not, they're going to see through it. And that is not going to help them. So teach them the word, teach them to pray, teach them they need Jesus, teach them by example, and teach them with grace. Graciously, yes, kind and gentle, but also grace tempering, I might say, the law. We obviously, you need rules in our families. We teach them to obey all that God commanded, but sometimes... Sometimes parents can act more like Sinai than Golgotha. It's the law. These two women knew the law of Moses, but they also knew that while the law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I want you to look at that, and this will be the last passage we'll look at. Just a few verses in John chapter 1. Because it's what John says before he says that that's a great encouragement. It 
So I referred to 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But look what's before that, from, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Teach your children the grace of God, doing it graciously. And then teach them to discern. They need to be immersed in Scripture. They need to be ready if they're younger or on the brink of going out into the world to be prepared. To be prepared. If they move away and go to another church, they need to look first and foremost for the truth. It it shouldn't surprise us if our young people, when they move away, don't go to a church that's our style. They may choose a church that stylistically is way different from what we do or way different from whatever you are convicted of in worship. And they might go to something that they really enjoy the atmosphere and the worship. Whatever the case is, all that aside, the number one thing they need to look for is that the truth of God is preached, taught, and lived by the church. They need to discern that. And the discerning issue goes on and on. They need to discern what their professors are telling them in classes if they're in college or their teachers in high school. They need to discern the kind of companions that they're hanging out with, especially those who are closest companions. They need to be wise in who they associate with that will edify their souls and confirm and affirm their faith. And that's especially true when it comes to a mate. They need to know that if they're in Christ, they must not, cannot, shall not become unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Well, all in all, and after all, we need to be exposing our children to the grace of God through Jesus Christ and to teach them to trust in our faithful covenant God, the almighty God who's powerful to save and who's sent his son so that that might be. May God grant our covenant children the blessing of grace, faith, and a walk of life in Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful that we can call you Father, And you've called us in Christ to be sons and daughters of you, the living God. We pray for the parents here and the grandparents and the great-grandparents and our great-great-grandmother that you would help us to still have an influence on the lives of those we dearly love. That you would give us all the grace and all the compassion and all the love that's required to raise